Audi is launching its all-electric e-tron range in South Africa in the first quarter of 2022. Join us in celebrating the many possibilities of progress with our Future is an Attitude podcast series. I think the biggest lesson we can learn from Mother Nature is that everything is connected. In our own human endeavors, we operate as individuals. Unfortunately, we seem not to be realizing that there is a rule book that everybody is playing to, and we just want to play our own game which doesn't fit with everybody else. We humans have been playing by our own rules for thousands of years, and we've achieved remarkable things. However, we're at a point now where we can't keep doing things the way they've always been done. The decisions we make in the next few months and years will determine the future of our society, our species, and our planet. And we've got to remember that the future isn't something that just happens to us. It's something we can actively co-create with every choice and every action. Perhaps we've been talking too much about how to save the planet. It's now time to save yourself. Because if we as humans go extinct, Mother Earth will regenerate within a short period of time and the symphony of life will play on and we won't be there to enjoy the music. I'm Zania Mosaka, and this is Future is an Attitude, a new podcast series from Audi about how design, performance, sustainability, and the digital world can intersect to help us shape the future we want and need. These principles are not only close to my heart, they're also fundamental to a world in which we can all thrive. We're featuring South Africans who think differently about the future, who challenge the status quo, and who are redefining progress. South Africans who can help us imagine and shape a better tomorrow. Kameli Sesibanda is an expert in biomimicry, one of only four certified biomimicry professionals across Africa. Most people think it's about coping nature, but it's essentially studying how nature uses its strategies to solve problems that we as humans are only beginning to grapple with. Kamelise sees himself as a student, one who sits at the feet of nature and absorbs its teachings. And he sees nature and our world as a huge research and development laboratory, one that's been running for billions of years. The reason why we have to learn from nature to inspire our sustainable innovations is because we are such a young species. It is therefore in our own interest Uh, not to duplicate all the mistakes that other organisms have been making over the past 3.8 billion years. We supposedly, as Homo sapiens, have been around, say, what, 200,000 years. So we're so young. So it is in our interest to learn from nature and abstract those strategies that have worked and been refined. To understand just how young we are and how much longer nature has had to hone its strategies, let's zoom out a bit. If we were to plot the existence of our universe on a calendar and effectively reduce 13.8 billion years to one, we can start to put our existence in perspective. It's called the cosmic calendar. And on this calendar, if the Big Bang was at midnight on the 1st of January, then our solar system and the Earth came to be in September. Multicellular life, life as we know it, only began to evolve in early December. And around mid-DSA, we had uh, the plants 
coming in, you had the single cell organisms showing up. Dinosaurs came into existence on the 25th of December and they went extinct on the 30th. Us as human beings, we only arrived maybe 10, 15 minutes before midnight on the 31st of December. So we are still crawling. We need to learn from those who managed to stand up, walk and run the marathon. Humans have only been around for a few minutes on the cosmic calendar and they've already changed the Earth in profound and possibly irreversible ways. And the question is, how much longer do we have as a species? Days? Hours? Minutes? Or seconds? In fact, the estimates are that currently we are consuming resources as if we had 1.7 Earth planets. And obviously, this is a road to ruin, completely unsustainable. If we are lucky, this may not happen in our lifetime, but definitely our grandchildren will pay the ultimate price. It is very, very important that we address this challenge and begin to apply the principles of sustainability where we stop doing harm and then apply the principles of uh, restoration where we fix the damage that we've already done and then move on to regeneration. For us to survive long into the future, we need to change the way we live. But for now, we're not exactly sure how to do this. Gamelile thinks nature can help. He believes there isn't a single human problem that we're facing today that nature hasn't already solved in some way, shape or form. For me, what really makes me optimistic is those designs that solve big societal challenges. One of the biggest challenges we face as a society revolves around energy. Our fossil fuels are running out. And as a result, we're on the verge of a power revolution. Renewable energy is no longer a nice to have. It's a must have. I was pleasantly surprised earlier in 2021 when the government lifted the restrictions and allowed independent power producers to be able to come into the market. Energy entrepreneurs are embracing this new opportunity and they're using it as a chance to go green. And Gamelile is excited about some companies that are using nature's tried and tested strategies to do it right, like taking lessons from a school of fish to build a new kind of wind turbine. You know, the current uh, crop of wind turbines are huge and they kill a lot of birds and they need so much space. But in nature, if you look at uh, a school of fish, they move so close together because they are in such proximity. The way the water flows, the ones that are following behind, they are benefiting from the water that is deflected from the fish that is in front. Just like a flock of birds flying in a V formation, the fish in front do the hard work and the rest have an easier time. And by abstracting these ideas, there is a startup that is uh, now developing these vertical wind turbines, which can be located in very close proximity. And that means now we no longer need huge amount of uh, space to put uh, our wind farms. We can just co-locate them within a small space and then generate uh, wind energy. Another abundant source of energy is sitting just off our shores. In terms of what is also possible, South Africa is a very long coastline. 
And quite often when we talk about clean energy, for instance, people think wind, solar. But there's a lot that can be done with uh, tidal and uh, wave energy using the waves of the ocean to actually generate uh, electricity. And uh, there's another example I had recently, which could also be a game changer, that we could potentially use gravity energy. The idea here is to repurpose some of South Africa's old abandoned mine shafts to generate electricity using the force of gravity. So the idea is you will have this weight that uh, you suspend. This giant weight would be suspended in a deep, dark shaft. And then during the day, you use solar to pull it up to the surface. And at night, you let it go down by gravity, but of course at a controlled rate. And you hook it up to electricity generators. So at night, then you can drop this weight. As it drops, it turns some turbines that then generate electricity. And then at sunrise, you hook it up to solar again. It gets hoisted back to the surface. In doing so, from the darkness of a mine shaft, we can generate light. Is the future a distant reality or something we shape with the progress we make today? Over a hundred years ago, Audi was founded on a vision of constant progress. In 2022, we accelerate this journey with the new Audi e-tron range, a collection of progressive, all-electric vehicles designed to usher in a new era of mobility. Let's shape tomorrow's world together. The Future is an Attitude podcast series, proudly brought to you by Audi. Read more at 702.co.za. Wind turbines, wave energy, gravity, they're all great ideas. But it's going to take a while for this kind of green technology to become mainstream. In the meantime, one of the simplest ways for us to make the switch from fossil fuels like coal, petrol and diesel is to use batteries. Big battery technology is at a pivotal point, and very soon we might see a revolution. Batteries that can charge in seconds, last months, and are strong enough to power airplanes or hospitals. And we're taking lessons from nature to build them. Sugar, mammal fat, even the teeth of a sea snail. They're all inspiring a new generation of batteries that are more efficient and more powerful. And we're already seeing the potential of big battery technology to change the way we do things. We're used to working with electronic devices and devices that have are battery operated. So a vehicle becomes the obvious transition. Automotive brands around the world are really starting to embrace the idea of electric energy. You might not spot many electric cars on South Africa's roads right now, but head of product, marketing and PR at Audi South Africa, Taryn Knight, thinks that's going to change very soon. When you think about how quiet it is, how clean it is, and you realize it actually is the logical next step. Electric vehicles is not only about hugely efficient driving and lower emissions, it's actually about a cleaner, quieter driving experience. If you're plugging it in every night, you're literally starting every day with a full battery And it's just a completely different experience around driving that makes perfect sense. And she says drivers are ready for the new era of electric mobility. We're at a very exciting time where we've just experienced a huge shift 
in the world. Because of the global pandemic and, and what we've all experienced, we've realized that we've got so much more propensity for change. So something like electric vehicles, which possibly for us seemed like something very far off, suddenly we realize that we can adapt and we can adopt new things so much quicker than we thought we could. So we can make the shift to greener, renewable power, and we can start doing it now. Another big societal problem that Gamelile thinks nature can offer solutions to is our very human habit of overconsumption. In the human construct, you don't access resources. You accumulate and acquire resources. In nature, you access resources. You will never see a monkey going around with a truckload of bananas. The bananas are out there on the trees. So when the monkey wants the banana, it will go and get it. The problem is, we humans don't like leaving metaphorical bananas on trees. We get stuck in the mentality of thinking that if I don't grab them, someone else will. It's the mindset that there's not enough to share. So if you get the biggest slice of the pie, there's less pie for me. You don't have to be in a zero-sum mindset. You don't have to be in a scarcity mindset. Katleho Pai is an entrepreneur. He's the co-founder and CEO of Yoko, a financial technology company that's one of the most promising startups in South Africa. He thinks the first step towards sustainability in business and in life is to let go of the idea of scarcity. It plagues a lot of business culture, underpins a lot of economic theory. This feeling that like there's not enough and we're going to run out. The middle class in the continent is going to grow ridiculously fast between now and 2050 and 2080. And the people that are going to sort of come into this middle class cannot afford to consume services at the level that we're doing now. And it's also not sustainable environmentally and, and energy-wise anyway. Fellow entrepreneur Rapelang Rabana is focused on how we can help drive meaningful change on the African continent. And she sees technology as one of the levers we can pull to make living better and more sustainable for everyone at the same time. Another lever, an end to mindless consumption. For me, that does get us to a place where things become more sustainable because it's not about having everything for the sake of having everything to appear successful. How can life be more about allowing people to go on their journey instead of excess having? It's not this mad mass consumption. It is, it is kind of just uh, touching the earth lightly. Trend analyst Dion Chang is already starting to see the shift that Katleho and Rapelang are talking about, the idea of moving away from accumulating things and towards a more sustainable lifestyle and a more sustainable world. So if 2020, you know, was about adjusting to a global pandemic, then 2021 was a very, very clear message that global warming is very real and on our doorstep from droughts to wildfires to massive floods. And I think it's been this very wake up call to say, well, this is not a touchy feely kind of thing anymore. The reality of climate change is here and it's starting to force us to change, to think and live in different ways. Dion believes the real drivers of this shift, the people who are literally going to change the world, are the generation who are about to come into their own. Generation Z. 
Those kids really, really are our future. I've been tracking Gen Z way before they even started coming of age because I knew something was very, very different about this generation. And I think, you know, the combination of their views on sustainability, the way of the connectivity of doing things and also appreciating um, human contact is other other values that I think we need to take us, you know, through into mid-century and, and into later into the century as well. But when you look sort of at the next generation globally, even in our country, I just get tremendous hope because I find this orientation towards, you know, abundance versus scarcity. People are a lot more connected. Um, they think a lot more about the future, the environment. I can't wait to start seeing this next generation just starting to occupy, you know, relevant leadership positions and starting to have a lot more of a voice. Not only are they the first digital natives of humanity, but they also have a very strong social justice barometer. So that combination is really, really potent. They will not just blindly, um, you know, buy a product. They will ask the, you know, the difficult questions. You know, what is the provenance of it? You know, um, you know, is it sustainable? Is it uh, just, you know, wasteful? The thing about Gen Zs and their predecessors, millennials, is that even with their hyper focus on sustainability, they don't want to compromise on quality. Between them, these two generations are driving 85% of global growth in luxury sales. They're perfectly happy to pay more for a product that comes from a sustainable or socially conscious brand. And what this is driving is a whole new kind of luxury. The luxury of the future is going to be mass customized, but it's also be a product or an item that has been touched by a human hand. You need to have the the artisanal sort of hand feel to, to something, which is going to be what people deem as luxury. It's not really just about, you know, buying the new handbag, but it's buying maybe a sustainable handbag. It's, it's been a vintage one. It's, it's got a story to it. Um, it's been loved. I think luxury is going to be about having access to experiences. So, you know, whenever you travel, it shifts your mind, it, it changes your perspective. And for me, those are the things that we need to do to really figure out who we are and who we are not. So I think we've already seen that shift from product to experiences, you know, being, being a big thing and what's successful or not. So I see that going more and more in that direction. If we redefine now luxury and say, wait a minute, what is luxury? For me, luxury is being happy. Luxury is having a good health. Luxury for me is having productive and healthy relationships with my friends, my family. Actually, if I could spend the whole day laughing, that is luxury for me. So if we begin to define luxury in the context of the things we require, like your basic requirements, I've got shelter, I've got water, I've got food, I've got friends and all that, I believe then you can add sustainability as a cherry on top of all that. An abundance of time, space and well-being. That's the future of luxury. So what happens if we move away from overconsumption and steer towards this idea of abundance? What happens if we see ourselves as part of a bigger system? If we accept that planetary health is necessary for human well-being? Maybe we can start to get things back into balance. Go to a forest you will never hear anybody saying we have too many trees in the forest because things are managed and in that ecosystem, there is enough for everyone forever. Enough for everyone forever, the epitome of a sustainable world. For me, sustainability is part of a continuum or a spectrum 
So let me start with one end of the spectrum. Currently, in terms of what we are doing, in terms of the unsustainable practices that we currently generally practice, I would call those brown practices. Fossil fuels, mindless consumption, single-use plastics, all brown. A step better is going green. Green practices includes things such as uh, renewable energy, you know, things such as even educating children about how to live in a more sustainable way. So from the green practices, then you move to sustainability. Sustainability, for me, it means that you are not causing any harm. You are neutral. But Gamelile says we can't afford to stop being sustainable. There's too much damage that's already been done. So we need to think of the solutions at the same time. We need to go beyond sustainability. And then the next best thing after sustainability is uh, restoration. So restorative practices mean that we are now going back to begin to fix even the damage that was done in the past. This means we'd be restoring ecosystems, reintroducing biodiversity, creating sustainable habitats. And on the other end of the spectrum... The nirvana or the holy grail is regeneration. Regeneration really is about a state or practices whereby you are producing resources at a rate that is faster than the rate at which you are depleting them. So imagine if we have a forest and we plant trees in that forest. So the rate at which you are planting trees is faster than the rate at which you are cutting them down. If we all did that in different spheres of our lives, we could restore this planet back to its optimal function. It's the message we all want to hear, that we can get back to a healthy, thriving planet that on the cosmic calendar will be around for days, maybe even weeks, longer than dinosaurs at least. But how do we make it happen? How do we plan for a sustainable, thriving future? For Katlejo, it's staying clear of that scarcity mindset he mentioned. It's about just starting to shift into a, an abundance mindset and moving out of a scarcity mindset. Pursuing abundance and taking the steps to get there. Green technology is abundance, right? It's not scarce, it's there. We just need to harness it and tap into it. Education does not need to be scarce, right? It's there. The information is there. How do we get it into the hands of people? Technology, all these things, the internet, it's abundant, it's growing. You can join it. The faster we move into this uh, mindset, the smarter we can become about the future and see where it's going. And I'm very confident that as a world, we're moving in this direction. Economists keep telling us we need perpetual economic growth, but that same perpetual economic growth relies on finite resources. So we know that we need to work with what we have. Progress for me means realizing what you have and using what you have productively, optimally, and in a sustainable way. We know what needs to be done. We're starting to understand the rules we need to play by. But we don't always know how to do it. That's why we all need to become visionaries, thinkers, and experimenters. We need to make small changes in our own lives that all add up to a substantial shift in thinking and being. If you were to take out humans out of this planet, you would be shocked to see a thriving planet that is full of abundance, everything working in, uh, in, in harmony. So us as humans, we need to fit in with the rest of the organisms. We are essentially part of nature as well. If everyone just decided to give more than they took, everything would be fine. It would be the solution to almost all the problems. Giving more than we're taking. 
seeing ourselves as part of nature rather than apart from it and doing what needs to be done, contributing to sustainability in small ways right now. That's how we save ourselves, our environment, our planet and everything that lives on it. The future is an attitude. The way we imagine and embrace it, the way we shape it with our thinking and our actions, and the way we infuse it with our hopes and our dreams. The attitudes we adopt today are laying the foundations of our tomorrow. Still to come on Future is an Attitude, we take a tour of the city of the future and we understand how its designers can help us imagine a better world. We explore how our homes, cars and workplaces are going to transform thanks to the magic that happens when tech, design and creativity intersect. And just a reminder, if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe for more episodes and do us a favor, tell a friend about it too. Because after all, we're building our future together. Is the future a distant reality or something we shape with the progress we make today? Over a hundred years ago, Audi was founded on a vision of constant progress. In 2022, we accelerate this journey with the new Audi e-tron range, a collection of progressive, all-electric vehicles designed to usher in a new era of mobility. Let's shape tomorrow's world together. The Future is an Attitude podcast series, proudly brought to you by Audi. Read more at 702.co.za.